My name is David Ujidi. I'm the former WBF International Super Featherweight Champion and former WBF All Africa Lightweight Champion. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's your host, David Ujidi. I'm back with another exciting episode on Ringside Talk. Tonight with me, I've got the one and only Hayden Jones, all the way from South Africa. A little bit about Hayden Jones. I think he's done more interviews with me in the past four years than I've had fights. He's one man who has, you know, lifted up South African boxing in terms of speaking to fighters, um, letting people know what's happening in the sports of boxing around South Africa. He has done a lot of commentary on the shows in South Africa. He is now one of the main commentaries of um, ESPN, boxing in South Africa that's happening in South Africa for 12 months. So you guys around the world can watch that. So enough of me speaking. Let's introduce you guys to Hayden. Hayden, what's up? Welcome to my show. Yeah, thank you, David, for uh, inviting me. Usually I'm the one asking all the questions, but uh, it seems to be that uh, tonight we're going to reverse the roles. I'm, I'm rather enjoying that. So thank you very much for having me on your show. No, 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 no problem, Hayden. Uh, as I said, hey, it's like, uh, yeah, man, tell us more about you, Hayden. Uh, who you are, where you grew up, what school you went to, brother. Um, sure, get yeah, you would like to know. Okay, so obviously uh, a lot of people don't know this. I'm actually from KwaZulu-Natal in Durban. Um, then grew up uh, for a great portion of my life in Johannesburg. And uh, I attended uh, Jeppe High School for boys. Uh, I know a lot of, uh, uh, well, not a lot, but some of the boxers at least have, have gone through that school, i.e. probably uh, one of the biggest boxers, Brian Mitchell. He was a Hall of Famer, so that's a good representation on, on my behalf. Um, yeah, look, it was a short-lived time in Durban. I didn't even watch boxing when I was there. You know, boxing only came to me when I was in Johannesburg. As you know, most of the boxers end up making the trip to Johannesburg in order to, you know, fulfill their dreams. So I think that's where, you know, I caught on. I was like a typical South African guy, rugby, cricket, soccer, you name it, you know, and then boxing bit me and uh, it's been with me ever since. Okay, that's also one question I wanted to ask you is how you got into boxing. I hear at school you didn't really do boxing. No. Uh, you were more in the rugby and the cricket and all. Uh, firstly, actually, before we get into the boxing, I know you're more of a journalist and stuff. Is this you started mm -hmm. at school or how did this come about? No, so you see, I wasn't an academic. I'll be honest with you. Like at okay. school, I wasn't like a big academic at all. It came to me like when I, when I attended university, I completed my journalism qualifications. Uh, I then, okay, just to walk you through because I'll make it easy for you. I, I then started managing a boxing gym. From there, I, or that was after I completed my qualifications. After then, it made sense for me to do boxing journalism. I tried this, this show called SA Boxing Talk Out, this internet show. And uh, obviously, in the beginning, it was like, you know, a couple of interviews here and there. But it kind of picked up around 2018. And uh, that's when a lot of things in South African boxing kind of picked up. And uh, media went a bit, uh, you know, crazy. And then obviously, what I was doing was traveling to all the gyms around the country, which uh, I've really enjoyed. Okay, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Even uh, that you didn't do boxing at school and uh, you went on to university to do... Oh, wait, hold on. I skipped one step. Sorry, David. Let me interrupt you there. I was an amateur boxer. Uh, let's okay. not forget that. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> let's oh, not no, forget no. I was an amateur boxer. Before someone throws it out there when I'm commentating, this guy does not know what he's talking about. He's never thrown a punch. I've been punched yeah. in the face several times. I know exactly how yeah. it feels. I was an undefeated amateur boxer. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Go. Okay. Nice. Yeah. How many fights did you have? Only three. <laughs> I knew, I knew, you know what? I knew when to call it a day. You know, I knew when, when, when the pen was mightier than the sword. <laughs> That's interesting, brother. That's it. And where did you do your amateur boxing in Durban? No, so I did my amateur boxing up at uh, Boyson's gym, Nicky Ness. Uh, okay, all yes. my fights happened uh, out of his stable. Okay, nice, nice, nice. Okay, nice, man. And then the move to the boxing scene. Uh, I heard you say that you were studying journalism in university and then yes. uh, that's where it all came in why boxing uh, because i remember as you said in 2018 i think that's actually when i left south africa is because mm -hmm. for me south african boxing was there was no fights unless you were with 
the big promotion, Golden Gloves or anything. You were fighting, but there were no fights. Nothing was happening. Okay, we had Steve Karakoda in, in Cape Town, but there was no boxing in South Africa. Hence, I left in 2018. What made you now, in 2018, take on the scene that looked dead, that looked like there was actually no hope because there was no boxing on TV. Uh, mm. As I said, there were one promotion company that they were really using, the Golden Gloves boys. Uh, it looked really dead. There was no funds coming in, you know. Uh, why? What got you to go into something that looked like it was dying? Well, that's an interesting point because you kind of, go into why I did get into the sport because it was dying. You know, I got into the sport because I could, I could maybe provide something at the time. My following was very small on social media. Everything was still, you know, there. So it was like, I had nothing to lose by going into an industry where I could go and perhaps give these boxes exposure, you know, go in, as you said, 2018, you left, there wasn't much fights. That was, that's exactly the time that it was sort of dying down South Africa. Uh, we're, we're limited world champions at that stage. You know, there were like there wasn't much going on. So to come into the market at that stage, there was a massive gap. And then no one else has actually stepped up and done anything since then either, which I'm yeah. surprised about, to be quite frank. Yeah. I'm surprised that no one else has actually tried their hand at this. Perhaps it doesn't make money, and that's probably why people don't do it. But you know, you got to just look at the the long game and realize that you know it's more about the benefit of everybody in the boxing scene. And I think. That's where we've lost a little bit of way in South African boxing. Everyone's like nitpicking. This guy can't make it. This guy, this, this guy, that. Whereas, like, I'm, I was here to band everyone together and not get banned. But you know, that happened as the things go along. Yes, and I, uh, I will be honest. I saw, like, I still remember back in the days. I would hear about your show, and I saw your show. And what, what grabbed me about, um, I say, boxing talk was that. You would go to the different gyms and you'll actually give these boxers exposure because, you know, uh, I remember it's boxing is like if you want to be a, a superstar, you need to get out there. You need to market yourself. Mm. You need to you need to put yourself out there. The people need to know you. And yes, in South Africa, that is, is not as big as we see around the world where fighters are groomed, fighters are put out there, you know? And what I saw with your show, you kind of set that platform where, wow, we knew this boxer. We knew about Lamini. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Then we knew, oh, there's a camp. It's got this guy and this guy, you know? And it kind of opened up. And we even knew, okay, there's this guy at this gym, this guy's got this gym. Even the mm. gyms kind of opened up. Oh, now there's six, seven gyms. There's three gyms in Eastern Cape that people didn't know of because of a show like yours. And I think, yeah, it gave a big platform. It, 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 uh, for me, I would say it, uh, it really, really put a mark on SA Boxing. It's opened up SA Boxing. And uh, yeah, how's, how's everything going so long with your YouTube channel? Uh, maybe tell the, the people yeah. how it's going. I mean, the YouTube channel now has I mean, reached, I think it's like, it's almost like just short of four and a half thousand subscribers. I mean, for, let's be honest, and you, and you know the South African public really well. It doesn't have a huge boxing following. So that particular subscription base uh, is quite impressive for the times. I mean, it's growing, ever growing all the time, depending on how much effort you obviously put into it, which I've, over the last couple of years, put a lot of effort into to going to different gyms, as you've seen. I have been to the Eastern Cape. I've been to the Western Cape. I've been to KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, so, so far, you know, that's four provinces. I haven't got to, to the likes of Free States. Actually, I've been to Limpopo before, so that'd make that five. So look, look, the, and, and, and that's including other countries, Swaziland, the UK, yes. Tunisia. Yes. I remember you went you know, to Saudi Arabia as Saudi well. Saudi Arabia. Yeah, the, so the channel's traveled with the South African boxers that go abroad. And not every boxer that goes abroad, obviously, we've got to be practical about who and when. But the times that I have gone with, it's been a hell of an experience. And, you know, obviously, the, the huge titles at stake, WBC Silver, the IBF World title with Maurizio and Solano recently when I was in the UK. So these sort of journeys that we're capturing and showing everyone, ordinarily, we don't see what happens behind the scenes of these boxes. But we're giving them the insights into what's happening behind the scenes. What's the boxers going through? I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm pitching up a week before the fight. What are you thinking? You know, um, yes, yes, yes. It, it's an interesting perspective, which you just don't get. I mean, some promoters, 
do do like little snippets here and there, but doesn't give you enough substance to be able to tell exactly what's going on. And that's where now, we came in. Yeah. To, to, to interrupt you there. And I think this is very important. You know, I think I wish we had more, more, more shows like this where we can actually get into the boxers' minds prior fight and even after the fight, especially if I would say the boxers that lose the fights, uh, mm. championship fights and stuff, just, you know, to get to know what they feel, what's the experience before and after a fight. You know, I've watched some interviews of the guys before the fight and stuff like this. And it's great. Before, you never knew anything. You just mm. get there, see the guy, especially here in South Africa. Like, before your show, I think we'll just watch uh, uh, what's All Access and stuff like that. You know? Mm. Then we have your show. So, Do you know yeah. what it is? Do you know, do you know what it is, David? I'll paint it for you beautifully. Why, why our show is effective uh, is because... What we do is we take a scenario where there are two guys getting into a ring that they have a story all of a sudden. They have a, a, a pre-fight build-up all of a sudden. It's not just two random guys now stepping in the ring for the amusement of a crowd. It's two guys with, back, with, with big stories, uh, you know, uh, backing yes. from sponsors, all those yes. different elements that go into fights that make it exciting. Why do you that want this is. person to win and why do you want him to lose? So there's two yes. different elements to it. And I think that's what makes the show very important. Yes, yes. That's, that's, that's good what you said, brother. And uh, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. Now, with, with regards to interviews, what would you say, who has actually not what you say, who has been your, your like, the, the top, in, like, your, your best interview you've had so far in terms of uh, the, yeah, the international scale or the, okay. your, your, your best interview you've had? Look, I've had... South African interviews are tough at times yeah. because South African guys are extremely reserved, extremely reserved. They're very humble. They they wish their opponents the best of luck before fights. It's only when I got to Saudi Arabia where I met a man called Prince Patel who uh, came in and uh, Prince Patel had lost to say, um, you know, that sort of opened up my eyes to British boxing because British boxers okay. talk. They talk and they lay it on thick. And yes. I think... I think without that being my personal best interview, I think that, that probably translates to the best interview for the fans on the channel. Okay, okay, nice, nice. And uh, what would you say your most controversial interview? And oh, why? my most oh my most controversial interview is actually a two-part interview. It was a part part interview where Colin Nathan and Rainer Liebenberg were having a go at Peter Smith and Rowan Campbell. Yes, I remember that. Yes, that did serious numbers. A lot of viewers, a number of shares. Everyone was everyone that everyone that watches boxing in South Africa wanted to watch those interviews because that was the sort of catalyst to what started off. Do you like Rowan? Do you like Reno? And I can tell you what, it was 50-50 down the middle. No, no, no more, no less. Okay. Yes. Uh, actually, it would be nice to have another one like that. And I think we are going down along those lines. If mm. look into SA boxing right now. We've got Roy Knapp having his rematch, maybe, with uh, uh, Taser. And yes. uh, with that, I think with the controversial side of it, uh, Roy Knapp's last fight with uh, Indomisa. It is Indomisa, right? And Indombasi. Yes. So with those three, uh, wouldn't you say that this would now cause a lot of stir and hype in the welterweight it is welterweight division right uh, so this is actually a what what it call is a, a what we would say in south africa is a junior middleweight division or a super oh, welterweight yes, division for our oh, international yes. audience yes, yes, yes. and uh yes i was saying those three would be now the new uh rivalry new new the, the three to look at the three that could make the big fights like Lidenberg and campbell you know what do you think of that? Could we see any controversial with those? Because with, I see that they really want this rematch. Uh, mm. Also, in Cape Town, they really want this rematch. The Taser, they want the rematch with uh, Roy Knapp. You know? Um, you know, this is this is the most unwanted love triangle possible out there at the moment. <laughs> because 
Indombasi and Rocknap needed to sort out their business before the Taser and Nap fight even came about. You know, they needed that second fight first. Now, Indombasi is going to stay idle on the sidelines while uh, Rock and Brandon battle it out. And it's fair true. enough, that's a big fight. I'm not taking anything yeah. away from it. It's a huge fight, the rematch for, for both guys. And obviously, Brandon Taser had won that fight. But uh, there's still that little question mark about Indombasi. Where does he fall into this picture? Because... Because now you have these two guys, and he mm. was there. He had a big controversial fight, which we're going to speak about just now. Yeah. Very, very uh, uh, crazy fight. I watched it, which we'll touch on. I really want to touch on that fight. And yes, as you said now, the guy will be on the sidelines, and he has to watch this. Even now, I think it, his team, you know, to see the headlines that there is a match happening with... Tayse and uh, York, it's like he is sidelined, you know. And my my opinion, I think he should get the chance first before the Tayse and uh, uh, York rematch. Look, but I yeah. think it's I think I, I think it's like this, right? So if we look at that dissect that situation, it's like you know in Donbass he scored three knockdowns, right? Yes. So it's like it's like you are. You, I'm gonna put like a football reference for you just to make it easy for you. It's like you score a hat trick in this game this week and you get benched for the next weekend it doesn't make sense you should be entitled to that rematch automatically yes 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 exactly exactly yes that's why i think you should have that first before mm. they go do the trilogy or whatever it is they want to do tell me now going back to that fight okay mm -hmm. a lot i've spoken to a lot of a lot of analysts a lot of guys that box myself as a fighter let's just i'm just going to explain to the fans now that are watching. Um, I think, uh, yeah, so the guy got knocked out uh, four times in one round. The WBA Africa title, right? Yeah, so WBA. But WBA Pan-African fights. Look, he got knocked down officially three times, although he did get knocked down four times. He did get knocked yes. down four times. The one knockdown wasn't counted, so it was three, three knockdowns. Uh, per WBA rules, you know, three knockdown rule, the fight's over, the referee should have stopped it there. Big mistake, Indombasi did not protest immediately. This is the problem that I have with this fight now. So Indombasi at that stage felt aggrieved. He went back to his corner. He still decided to come out in round number four. After this all occurred in round number three. The issue is he started getting destroyed York by Rock. started right? coming back, yes. Yeah, Rock started coming back in round number four. So... Why quit in round number five? There's a bit of suspicion for me. He saw the fight wasn't going his way and, you know, he looked at that as a way out. Now, yes. although the rules weren't applied, it's still, you still chose to come out and protest around too late, which is a bad look on you as a boxer. You should have definitely come out and ended the fight then and looked to the referee and Can say, Can I ask you a question on that one, Hate? Is whose job is it though? Is it the boxer's job to know the rules? Is it the referee's mm. job? Or is it my corner's job? Because I'm so here, there to fight, okay? Mm. I'm knocking out my opponent three times down. I don't think, as a fighter, I'm thinking, hey, the Oak's going down three times. I'm busy thinking, okay, go to my corner, look what's going on, catch composer, catch your breath, we're going back. Hence, I'm asking, who here should have said, okay, three knockdown rule? Is it the ref, which... We do rules meeting prior. Mm. The ref always knows the rules. The coach should always know the rules of a fight, anything for the fighter or the fighter. As a fighter, you should always know these, what the rules are. But I will take the fighter away to say, because I'm going to say, as a fighter, I'm not thinking about rules and stuff. I'm thinking, hey, what, I have to, you know, what did we learn? Jab, this and that. You're not thinking rules, three knockdown. You're not thinking that. You're not even if you get a cut. You're not thinking of what round am I in? How they're gonna take points away and stuff. You're just thinking of going forward, winning this round, winning this round. So, what do you think of that, brother? So, I mean, we all know that the referee's responsibility is to call the fight after the three knockdowns. The referee can use to call the fight. However, in that instance, the referee didn't do that. And we all know that the referee was incorrect in the decision. I think that's a worldwide standard. WBA three knockdown rules. The referee should have stopped it after the third knockdown. However, the referee didn't do that, right? So now you've got to just continue with the fight because 
you know, you've got a fight on, you can protest it after the fight, you know, that, that sort of thing is out of your hands. But when you come into the situation where you essentially quit, because that's what happened, he ended up quitting and it's, it's a bad look. And I'm not yeah. saying... And I'm not saying that the decision is right by any stretch of the stretch of the imagination. The decision is definitely wrong. It should have been a, a loss after the third rock knockdown. However, you've got to keep going as a boxer. You can't just stop. Yes. You... you can't just stop and be like, okay, I tried, but okay, it's not working out. No, 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 no. It's, it's you... never going to go your way because at the yeah, end of the day, yeah. even if, even, and you know this, even if that fight gets overruled down the line, it's still not a victory for you. It's a no contest. You don't... Yes. There's, there's nothing that you can benefit from it apart from this fight been now being declared a draw. But, you know, at that point in Ndombasi's career, you know, he should have either continued fighting if he knew he was going to finish on his feet or he should have ended it straight after he hit the third knockdown. He should have celebrated and gone to his corner and, you know, showed that he won the fight. Yeah, yeah. Like Spoke, that's what I saw there is when he went down in the corner, he should have said, yo, coach, I knocked him down three times. Do we go back? What's the story? That's mm -hmm. what I feel. Um, you know, every box is different. Um, really, I would wish, I would love to see that fight again. I think it would be a crack of a fight because they both have something to prove. Uh, There's only four rounds people got to see. I think Roy yeah. Knapp has got a lot to prove. Ndombasi has got a lot to prove. And I really hope they make this fight. Um, yeah, man. Also, uh let's speak about some african fights some hot stuff is happening even now uh, mm. i think to my wife i want to go back on a road the junior lightweight division uh got a new south african champion Sibusisa Singanye. he's been very active in the past four years um okay he's had some bad runs overseas uh, locally he's doing so well um, what do you see about Sengange? Uh You know, I think he's a, for me, it would be a great, even a lightweight to see him go up to lightweight to challenge for that title. But before we get to that, what do you think about the new SA junior lightweight champions, Kusiso Zingange? Yeah, I think Sengange has come on in leaps and bounds obviously we all know that he's found his challenges uh he's taken yeah. some you know desperation fights in in like russia and you know some of those unnecessary fights that you know due to inactivity you're just going to have to go abroad sometimes yeah. but i think for him at the end of the day his goal was always to become the south african champion uh he had his eyes set on pila and panchana for a very long time who he deemed to be ducking him i don't know what the case is and what the scenario is but at the end of the day, the Zanganga that I saw get in the ring against Pila and Panchana was an absolute different man to what I've seen throughout his whole career. I think he's leveled up his game. Yes. He, 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 there's certain aspects you can't change about your game, like he isn't a power puncher or you know anything, anything spectacular in that department, but he is upskilled. He's getting a lot more attention, a lot more regular action, and that means a lot to a fighter. To be active is 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 extremely uh, is extremely big. A bit, it's a big thing because you know you, you you can put on your skills so long as you keep winning. That's the other thing. You got to keep winning as well to it's keep true. that momentum going. Very very true. And uh, we look at you know for me it's there's, there's there's three divisions that could be exciting because you have got some boxes that could either go up, they could go down, they could make the uh, the divisions exciting. So it's a Yes, the junior lightweight, the lightweight division. You've got um, who's the champion again? The lightweight champion. The lightweight uh, champion is Chifuwa Munyai. Yes, Chifuwa Munyai. Also, another guy I'd like to get in the ring with and have a rumble. Also, are you are you are you itching to come back and fight? What's going on here? Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that just now, brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but yes, Munyai. Even him, very, very excellent boxer, went to England for a few years, did mm -hmm. his boxing in England, came back to South Africa, also came back as I left. Oh. <laughs> what <laughs> you doing, man? <laughs> came back to South Africa, doing very well, mm -hmm. uh, unstoppable. He's been he defended three times. No one can stop him. Well, no, he's uh, on his third defense now. Yes, he's on his third defense now. No yeah. one can stop him. He looks unbeatable. Uh, mm -hmm. He's looking very strong. Uh, yeah, tell us more about him. What do you think? 
so I think I think so. So here's what it is, right? So we got Chifuya Munyai, who's the reigning lightweight champion. We had four the four kings, you call them, in South African lightweight division, who were supposed to be in the tournament. Uh, Chifuya Munyai, um, Lusana Komenisi, yeah. uh, Ayanda Nkosi, and then yes. Nomeva Indongeni. Now, Nomeva moved up in weight, so we've taken him out of the equation. And then you still got an inactive Ayanda and Corsi hovering around somewhere. But the fight that everyone wants to see, David, the fight that everyone wants to see in South Africa, and I think it'll happen really soon. Maybe not the next fight because uh, Munyai has been booked for a fight. But the fight after that is uh, Chifuya Munyai versus Lusanda Komenisi. I think that's okay. the big lightweight clash at the moment. It's a power puncher versus, a, as you know, Munyai is a very skilled operator yes, yes, with experience. Yes. And uh, what do you think if Sinanga had to step up a few kgs, come to lightweight? You think that he could bring some excitement to the lightweight division? Look, I, I think it's premature. You know, I think that Zingange, obviously, you know, he's on the he's on the higher side of his twenties now, so weight will become a question very soon. You know, after thirty, that you know things obviously the the clock stops and you start putting on a little bit of extra pounds, but. Uh, uh, look, I don't think he's ready for lightweight yet. There's there's a lot okay. of big names there. And sorry, I forgot to name Azinga Fuzile because Fuzile is a yes. lightweight now. He's just moved up as well. But he's on the international part. So I don't. I wouldn't yes. want to see that fight. I think it'll be quite uh, quite the step up in competition. Uh, he can look at fights maybe against some of the guys towards... You know, I, I don't think he beats the lightweight champions right now. I think he needs to defend his belt a few times, establish himself, yes. get that championship rounds in because... It's a big difference when you're fighting for belts. When you start, when you start getting to belt level, mm -hmm. that's when the challenges step up, and you got no easy fights. And yes. that's where he's at now. He's got to sort of walk before he can he can run. Yes, very true, very true. Then we look at the featherweights. Uh, we've got the nine millimeter there. He's also was on my show the other day at uh, IBO World Champion uh, Lumati. Also, a brilliant boxer. Big things happening for that man. That's why I say these three divisions for me are very exciting divisions because either guys can actually go up or because there's not much weight division, but I know they'll stay in their weight. But if uh, nine millimeter had to maybe come up a division to junior lightweight, what do you think about that? So you know what, at the moment, David, I'm just going to quickly correct you. Laduma Lamati is actually a super bantamweight. Um, he's super bantamweight. Yeah. He's 55. Yeah, 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 so 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 it's not. He's a super bantam, but I mean the transition from bantam to featherweight is relatively a small small difference. So whether he could step up, look, featherweight. I mean that's a whole different ball game as well. So Africa's got some talented featherweights at the moment. Um, we 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 are seeing the SA champ, the SA champion Asanda Ginki. He's yes. uh he's he's been touted. He's a good amateur boxer. Lorato lights out Glamini. I think is by far. Yes, yes, yes. But I mean, his head, head and shoulders. Yeah, he's, 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 yeah, yeah, he's on. That's why I don't even speak about that. Like, he's on another level. <laughs> he's on a. He's like, he's on the. He's on the way to a WBC world title. Yes, I mean, that's yes, yes, yes. that's ballpark, you know. Like that's that's the thing, and that's 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 a a common trend with South African boxers. You got like one or two special boxes, and then you got the rest. And I think that yes. that's when you mentioned uh, Zanganga earlier. I felt that he still hasn't got to that you know icon level, level where he's level. yeah. But now tell me something about that. So would you say Sinanga hasn't got to that level? Now, with, Lamine, with uh, Lamine, he's got at least a team that can get him to that level. You know, he's got a Colin Nathan, he's got that backing. Sinanga, he can, you know, he can be good. He, can, he doesn't have that kind of backing. Now, wouldn't you say that actually hurts a bit of South African fighters who should be fighting at that international level because they don't have that management and that backing that could get them into the international level. It just keeps them locally. Do you think that's a bit unfair for some fighters well, up in the, especially in South Africa, like a African country? Look, I, I, I see where you're coming from, like in terms of the connections, because inevitably ratings and opportunities come through connections, you know, and it can happen the wrong way because you could literally come in as an opponent and as an opponent to someone that's connected, you usually been, you know, stitched. They already know what the result's going to be. They've already plotted and planned for you well ahead of time. You know, they've been preparing for you for years almost sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, 
with a guy like Zingange, I'll tell you what, I've been very impressed with his training team. I think his team has done a remarkable job with him because there was a stage where he was inactive and he mm. went back to his old gym, which he is now his, well, effectively his new gym was mm. his old gym. And uh, he's picking up from there. And I think that Zingange before he was, you know, he was he was in, in a gym where, you know, he was not the sort of the top guy. I think Mbengi was a top guy and uh, yeah. that was sort of the, the flagship of the of, of, of yeah. that stage around the gym and Nomeva and Maris Matamba. I think Zingange was falling behind with regards to that. And so now he's getting the attention, the much needed attention. And he's, you know, he's flourishing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's very good. That's very good. Um, yeah. So let's talk about some upcoming fights here in the world. And you're very good at this. I've got three mm. of my favorite fights coming up. I've got the Canelo Bilov yes. fight. I don't know much about this Bilov Russian guy. I'll be really honest with you. Okay. I'm more of a, I'm very, like, I'm very, if I like a fighter, I just watch, I know about that fighter. So I'm very are we going to start, are, are we starting with the Canelo fights? Is that we're yeah, going to dissect this fight? fight? Yeah. Uh, of, of course, I got Canelo winning that one. Um, uh, Awesome. But you know what? You know what? You know what? I, I have. I, I agree with you. I have Canelo Alvarez winning the fight. Uh, the other. Th the other thing is like Bivol is not the best guy in the light heavyweight this division. Is what I Bivol is. Okay. Yeah. So Bivol is number two. I'd say Bivol is number two. Uh, number one is Arthur Betabiev. Arthur Betabiev has got a hundred percent knockout ratio, much like Gennady Golovkin had for a very long time in his career as well. And uh, as we're talking now, like, do you think? I'm a Canelo fan, okay? But do you think these fights a little bit get chosen for these guys? Like, I'll be honest, for him to go up to fight Junior Mukabu, I think that was a quick decision made to say, okay, this we can do, this we can do very fast, this we can do very quick. It's a, it's a quick belt. This is what I feel. Maybe it's different, okay? Uh, even for this kind of fight, because if you look, Canelo had three options. And he chose this option. Do you think he chose his options? They go in to say, okay, this fight would be an easier win. Then we get ready for the next one. Because he's got Charlo and he's got, oh, do they say, but, okay, let's take a chance here. Because mm. there is a 50-50 a here. Do you know the problem with you know the problem with Canelo Alvarez is that he does fight the best guys, right? So he's put himself in a position where he doesn't back down from fights. But there are so many fights that are linked with Canelo Alvarez. So if he picks Charlo, he's ducking Bival. If he picks Golovkin, he's ducking Betzebeev. You know, there's so many like guys that you pick one and you're ducking someone. That's what the fans say. And uh, I think that's the difficult position Canelo's in. To be honest, I don't think Canelo really cares. His paycheck is like substantial. And I think people will watch him regardless. The whole of Mexico are going to watch him regardless. And America, you know, the, 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 he's got a huge fan base. And I, I'm not upset that he didn't pick Cholo. I think that uh, at times PBC drag their feet and they don't necessarily put on fights like then and there. We often see the PBC fighters only fighting once a year. To be honest, yeah. I think Canelo went for the safe option on DAZN and he said, okay, at least this year I'll be guaranteed to fight Dimitri Buval and then after that finish the year strong with Gennady Golovkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting. And then my favorite fights. I think this is going to be fight of the year. And I think... I also want to talk more about this fight with you. Valdez versus Stevenson. Wow. Two gold medalists in Olympics. Uh, two great warriors. I would say in boxing terms, mm. Valdez is the more, old, uh, more experienced fighter, I think. Uh, more older, more experienced in that way. Um, Stevenson. Yeah, what, first let me hear from you. What do you think of that fight? I think that this is a fight that we don't often see because fights like yeah. this don't usually get made. Yeah, the best versus yeah. the best, right? Uh, and we're seeing that in the form of Shakur Stevenson and Oscar Valdez. Now, Valdez... Okay, so Valdez is a comfort fighter. We know that he's all action. Yeah. You know, he's not going to let up for 12 rounds. But then you've got a guy like Shakur Stevenson who's... Man, have we seen skills like this in a yeah. very long time? I don't think so because Shakur Stevenson no. brings something completely different that we haven't seen. Yeah. And that's not to say he's boring because uh, more, more often than not, skillful fighters get labeled boring fighters. Not the case with Shakur Stevenson. He's got an all-round ability. He's, much, he's a much-needed 
breath of fresh air. We needed someone like Shakur Stevenson to to walk up and change the the planes of boxing. And a lot of people have debated with me. They said, no, Oscar Valdez is going to run through Stevenson. I'm on the contrary. I think Stevenson will win this fight. Really? Honestly, I do. Okay, I really think if Valdez fights like that Mexican he beat that he knocked out, where he came forward and he came to hurt him, and he hurt him. If he fights like that, very good. If he fights like his his last fight, not so good. Different if, levels of boxes, though, the guy yeah. that he knocked out compared to Stevenson. You know, that's the other yes, thing to factor. Yes, that's another thing. And if Stevenson, I don't know. Yes, as you say, for me, he's not boring, okay? I'll be honest, he's not boring. It's just, it's a different style. It's a yeah. diff- And for me, I'm a come-forward fighter. I love that come-forward action. Where you just going that Mexican style of fighting. Now, how long can Valdez keep that up? And can Stevenson take that? Are you there, David? Yo, David, you there? David, there? Second here. Oh, uh, is it him, not me? Yeah, it looks. It looks like his. And yeah, you know what? The internet in South Africa gets blamed a lot. Not the case today. That's correct. Looks like his internet's just a little bit shoddy today. Sorry about this, mm. uh, chaps. No stress. Some, some viewers here too. Uh, stand by. He should be back any second. Thank you. Tell us, uh, tell us uh, who you got for the next uh, fight coming up. <laughs> yeah, well, Shakur, when we we're talking about the Shakur Stevenson fights, I wasn't sure what uh, what the third fight for for David Rajuli is, but uh, you know, Shakur Stevenson, uh, I, I I personally picked for that one. It's just a it's just a matter of a, a preference because you have the come forward fighter against the sort of the skillful fighter. Uh, that's the that that's the the pick me fight depending on what style you like. I think they're relatively the same level, so I don't know if that's necessarily going to you know, change people's opinion because when you have a legitimate 50-50 fight just in uh, with a matter of different styles, I think that's what makes it interesting. It's not like, you know, one guy is a come forward fighter and the, the skillful fighter is just so much better as we see with a lot of the grooming and the beginning of people's careers. This is completely different as an, and, and, you know, same with Valdez, he's been steamrolling guys that haven't been on his level. Now, this is when two world champions collide. This is the next level of boxing and uh, I'm so glad this is happening because typically these fights don't get made you know and uh, in the past uh, boxing well not in the past yeah actually in the past boxing I was actually doing a podcast the other day we we're talking about uh, the best fighting the best three four times over you know doing the doing a service for the fans and it's not the same now but boxing has become a pure business uh, who can sell tickets who can who can become, who can keep the O, you know, Floyd Mayweather has, has created that, you know, keeping the O so important. That's why when these, both these fighters come up against each other, they both have O's. One of them is going to lose their O or they won't, so they get a draw. But, you know, hypothetically, they, they should be a winner and a loser in this fight. And that's the risk that they incur. Now, back in the day, it's not a big risk. Right now, huge risk uh, for, for the way boxing has been modeled.
So that's the the interesting elements and why I'm happy this fight has been made is because it's kind of proving that two world champions can unify quite early in their career. No problem. They both seem to be on the trajectories to go to the top and become a major force in the world. So again, that's just, you know, testament to both of those guys and their promoters for, for going ahead with that fight. And uh, I was hoping that David would be on right now because uh, I'm waiting for that third fight to, to be presented to me. It would have been nice to hear his opinion on that as well. But uh, just stepping back uh, while we wait for David and talking about the Canelo Alvarez versus Dimitri Bivol fights, I felt that was an interesting matchup. I also mentioned that uh, Jamal Charlo earlier in the piece would have been an interesting matchup as well. However, I don't know if financially it made sense for Canelo to take on Charlo. And I think it was Benavidez as well that was offered in the, the other contract on PBC. So he took the design option, which was uh, a fight against Bivol first and then obviously went ahead and did the uh, and we'll, we'll finish up with Triple G should he get through Dimitri Bupal. Welcome back, David Rigili, to your Thank show. Thank you very much, brother. Thank you very much. We're having some problems here in Germany, not low shedding though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you see, South Africa, there's no problems no, here. That's man. all right, eh? Yeah, but uh, I was saying that, uh, so we were speaking about Valdez and Stevenson, brother. Sorry about that. Yeah, so I kind of informed the fans why I thought Stevenson would be or your viewers rather, not fans, but the viewers, uh, that uh, why I thought uh, Shakur would, would, would become the victim in that fight, although it is a 50-50 fight in terms of the skill sets, I just feel like, you know, Shakur has a little bit of an edge. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. What was that third fight of yours? My third fight is Combosa. First, before we get into that fight, let's speak about this one man. For me, he just came out of nowhere. He just popped mm -hmm. into the scene. Uh, never heard of him, didn't even think, to be honest, that there's boxing on that side of the world, in a little island called New Zealand. This guy came out of nowhere. I'll be honest, he reminded me of Arturio Getty, the way he fought. And, uh, yeah, Gamboza. That man, yeah. Gamboza. You want to speak about him and him alone? I mean, he's the most no, wanted just, man. Yes, just in the division. for now, and then we're going to go on to the fight that has been proposed, because, yeah. Yeah, so George Kambos is obviously getting a surprise victory. I don't think many people would have predicted him being Tiafimo uh, Lopez. Lopez is was deemed to be the number one in the division. Obviously, he had all the yeah. belts, and uh, he had beaten Vasil Lomachenko as well. So when, when George Kambos had beaten him, he then put a big mark on his back as the biggest fights in the division. Now he has all the belts. Now, I like the fact that he's an underdog and he's got an underdog story and he came out of nowhere. It's, uh, it's not often we see those stories nowadays because we often see them coming. They get built up really well. They get groomed and they get promoted really well and up and coming. Not him. He was a relatively unknown boxer coming into this fight. He, yeah, uh, there wasn't much to him. He's got popular now. He's making the most of it. And the fights that he's been proposed now, I don't know, man. They are hard fights. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, uh, you know, is this a good thing? Is it because, you know, these guys are groomed. You are prepared for for champ. Okay, you, you slowly build up. You fight him. Then you fight a bigger name. Then you fight a big name. Then you become undisputed champion. This is what I would say. Now you come out of nowhere. Yes, you come, you fight a big name, you win, you become undefeated, undisputed champion. Now, now every fight I have is these guys have been on a long road to become undisputed. They've beaten big champions to come to you. Mm. The, the fight is just harder and harder and harder. You know, as he's got uh, Henley after him, he's got Lemachenko. I, I think he was going to fight Lemachenko. Until mm. this whole thing happened now in the Ukraine, so Lamachenko's out of the the the, the, the equation, and mm. now and now it's they're looking at Cambosa versus Haney fight. Yeah, that's a good fight uh, right there. That's a good fight. That's a good fight. Good fight right there. That's a good fight for Devin oh. Haney, I think. Uh, Devin for Haney. Devin Haney. Yeah, yeah, stylistically. Because it will be a dancer promotion. Does this make it a good fight for Henley in that way? Or is it well, a good fight to look, say technically, Henley so has was... worked his way up to mm. a fight like this? 
Well, you know, the, uh, I mean, as you know, the first uh, where he won the belts on DAZN uh, did Cambosis Jr. You know, he beat Tiafima Lopez, who Eddie Hearn was representing in this instance. I know Lopez is a top-ranked guy, but in this fight, Eddie Hearn put on the fight because he won the purse bid for this fight. So he had the, the rights to, to put it on, and I'm sure he... I'm sure he's, he's salivating at the thoughts of having another big fight. And this will be a unification about as well, because there's one more belt outstanding, and that's the one that Devin Haney currently holds. And when they get this done, there will be a unified lightweight champion of the world. Huh, I don't know if Cambosis, I mean, he put on a hell of a performance against Lopez, but in the same breath, I mean, he's got a great story. I don't know. Haney is for me the obvious contender to win the fight the obvious contenders hey yeah. but again I, I said the same thing about tfima lopez so you know that's that's where the the questions are coming in is does cambosis jr give you the confidence that he's going to be going on a tear i don't have that confidence as i had in like a lopez or a lomachenko or even a haney i didn't have that i don't have even to this day that feeling but in, in saying that the way he he came and beats Tiafima Lopez. I mean, I can't argue against his credentials. He's a fantastic world champion. He's definitely got the source to be able to beat a guy like Haney. It's not, that's not that, it's, it's, it's not that he can't win that fight. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying, like, if I if you had to put me on the spot and tell me to choose one, I'd probably go Haney. Yeah, yeah. For me, I'll be also honest, I would go with Haney because for me, as a fighter as well, I would say how he's built himself up to get there, for me, is important. Also with with the Lopez fight, a lot of people asked me about Lopez and Lamachenko. I went with Lamachenko. Mm. Lamachenko also, he built him. Yes, he won a world title at like his first fight or in the pro ranks, but he built himself to get there. You look at Lopez. Do you say now him beating Lamachenko that was a fluke? Do you say now Combosa beating Lama, uh, Lopez was that a fluke? You know these two fighters. I don't think they're flukes. Both, I don't think they're flukes. Okay, you don't think so? No, I think the situational came down to the nights. What happened on the nights? You know, Loma, Loma had some discomfort in his shoulder, and no excuses. Injuries are part of the sport, but you know, Lopez made full. He took full advantage of that as well on the nights. And I think, I think, I I don't think. But look at, look at what Tiafimo did to Richard Comey. Like you can't dispute that he's not a great. That he was a great champion. And I think he will bounce back. uh, uh, Fimo Lopez, I think he would bounce back. Another fight that uh, just for interest fight, uh, I think uh, Ryan Casillas is coming back. Ryan, uh, he he's fighting Richard Comey to fight. Is he fighting Richard Comey next? Uh, Richard Comey. I don't, I don't think. I don't know. I don't know. Too, yeah, but anyway, his, I mean, him coming. Oh no, he's fighting Emmanuel to go from Ghana. Yes. That's that's what he's. That's that's who he's fighting. I remember this. To go relatively unknown from Ghana, he's got a 32-1 and record. Uh, he's 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 surprising because he, he hasn't come out to the States early enough, you know. He's kind of been sitting back in Ghana. And you often wonder when a fighter gets to like 33, you know, 32-1, and why they, ha- why they haven't taken the big trip yet. It's weird because like at that stage, surely the, ta- the talent scouts have identified uh, a guy that's going to become a world champion or do you just sit at home for long enough and just you know build your name solely no, in I one country you know, this comes down to to be really honest eh? and what i've seen around here especially in europe and stuff it's your team that you got your team is very important with a strong team you can go all the way you you, you know with a strong team you can be what i've seen here in europe with a strong team you can in six fights they can make you a world champion. They can, you can become actually a champion, you know, because your team builds, your team puts you out there. If you look at places like Ghana and stuff, that's third world countries, like African countries, we don't have that kind of exposure that gets the fighters out there, that people are talking about the fighters out there. For instance, Glamini, South Africa, he was, num- he was under Russell. But if you go on to... You speak about him in America and stuff like that. Who's this like, you know? Some African mm. guy, he's a silver champion. He's not, he's not in, he's, no one really knows him because he's not there. He's not in the people's faces. He's not. So I'll give you, know? David, I'll give you, I'll give you a great example, right? Uh, and maybe it is because he has good connections, but Zolani Tete, 
relatively unknown worldwide before he knocked out Paul Butler in in the UK. And that's when he made a name for himself. Now that's an extreme example of uh, that's an extreme example of you know uh, guy making his mark. And I think he ended up making a huge he ended up getting rather sorry a huge fan base in Liverpool. And uh, they ended up putting him on at the Eco Arena more often than not. And uh, that's where he built a name. Now you can't do that in South Africa. You just you you simply can't do it. So guys pick the wrong fights to take when they go overseas. I, I, and, I, and that is down to management. You're right. Management and connections, they take the wrong fights. They're taking this Olympic gold medalist. He's 5-0, and relatively unknown, and they end up getting pumped, knocked out, destroyed because they're taking the wrong fights. They're not taking the right fights at the right level, and they're getting often put into bad situations. They're in terrible hotels. You know, the whole shebang, like the... It's a whole experience that, yeah. and some people don't have a choice, bro. Like, let's be honest. Like, some people just don't have a choice. Yeah. Like, they take what they can get. Yeah, it's true. And I think for that Ghanaian guy, he's, uh, yeah, 31 and, 31 and 1. He's from Ghana. Nobody knows about it. We'll fight Ryan. It will be, it's his chance now to make his mark. Because he beat Ryan this year. He's now in the top four, you know? Mm. Uh, well, look, I mean, that's 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 what it's down to because Ryan Garcia has a status, you know, he's got like 10 million followers on Instagram. I mean, to beat a guy like that, you know, you can cut it, you know, you can you, you, you cut your arm off for an opportunity like that because Ryan Garcia no, isn't a Ryan, world champion. I think, I think what's happening with that, on in my opinion, is he's kind of actually dropping, uh, too much of what's happening with Joe. I think with him leaving, um. Uh, Eddie's gym and doing his own thing and not taking fights and then it's this fight and then Instagram stories and all of this. It's like, bro, we want to see fights already. Bro, we don't want to hear stories. You know what I'm saying? So I think these people are Sorry, I'm just changing my position. No problem. People are starting to lose interest in the guy. They want to see him fight more than him having a lot to say or him pulling out of fights. Or yes, there is a uh, this mental health situation. There is this. Then recover. Take time off. Don't come back. So we're gonna fight. Then no, I'm not fighting. Then coming back. Then changing gyms. Then coming back. Then I'm sick again. Then people lose interest. It's what's happening, dude. What are you really doing? Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. What is he doing? But, but do you know what? You know what? Like, to be fair to Ryan, right? He's obviously had his problems. He's changed trainers again, uh, what we've seen. But he's got a huge social media following. So he never goes quiet completely. He does like his, you know... I mean, we as boxing purists, and this is, I know, where, I know exactly where you're coming from. We're losing track of his boxing career. I think... His relevance won't go away. It's similar to like in the same mold as an Oscar De La Hoya. He's a bit of a party boy. He's a bit of a, yeah. you know, someone that's always going to be an interesting character. So no matter what you do, you're always going to take an interest in his career. You know, he's one of those guys that he'll walk into a room and you can feel their aura. You know, you'll immediately say, hey, that's Ryan Garcia. That's, you know, like you can't mistake yourself to do that. Even though he's not a world champion, he has that aura, which is, um, it's an amazing feat. Yes. Well, yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, brother. And uh, just a few more questions, my bro. Uh, besides the boxing and stuff, just more mm. about Hayden. If you mm. had to give you, if you had uh, the world, yeah, world was ending, you had 30 seconds to pack your three favorite foods. What would that be, brother? To, sorry, what? To, to pack away food? Three favorite foods, quickly. Boom, boom, boom. Ooh. So I, oh man, but that food's gonna go off like sushi. I love sushi, man. Love sushi. Uh, but these foods are not sustainable, David. <laughs> they will not last very Just long. Quickly, top of the head, what did you pick? You got 30 seconds to choose quickly or three top All right, 30 foods. seconds oh. to choose my three favorite fruits it's sushi. Yeah. Yeah, I like a good lamb curry and I like pizza straight up. Okay, lovely. Three oh, favorite none of them fights healthy. in all time. Three favorite fights of all time. I still. Let me think about this one actually, because there are I I watch a lot of fights and I enjoy a lot of fights. Uh, I enjoyed the first fight between Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez. I enjoyed uh, Sugar Ray Leonard against Duran number two, the second fights the, between those two, and I actually 
it's going to be strange, but I actually enjoyed the second fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Just like the whole, uh, you know, Tyson Fury coming back and dominating after all that stories about his mental health and everything like that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm by the way, I'm not even a fan of either guy. I just, I, I just love heavyweight boxing. Okay, lovely. Yo, uh, three time South African legend boxers. Top three legend boxers. Not current, legend. So what, what, what year legends. does that cut off? Uh, okay, so Baby Jake was my first. Baby Jake was my first. Yeah. Love Baby Jake. He was my number one legend. Obviously, um, my dad watched a lot of him because my dad was uh, uh, from Kwazulu Natal. So, you know, he watched a lot of Baby Jake. Uh, sure, I used to like Corey Sanders as well. You know, again, there's the heavyweight connection. Used to used to like uh, some of that. And uh, actually, more recently, because I've been watching some of the legends, you know, uh, Sebastian Rothman, you know, although he's a great coach now, he was a very good fighter as well. Nice, nice, nice. And uh, yeah, brother, we've actually come to the end of our show. And uh, any closing uh, uh, comments you want to do or even tell us how we can watch your show. And before we close, actually, we're going to go a little bit over. I need to know about ESPN. Oh, I thought you were forgetting about it. Obviously, you went oh, offline for a few minutes. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, ESPN you know, start, Before we start, starting... there, let me just tell the fans, okay? Mm. ESPN, ESPN Africa is a new uh, boxing show in South Africa that will be televised for 12 months. One show, or two shows a year, a month. And... Uh, one show a month, one show a month for the whole year. One show a month, there are 12 shows. And uh, on ESPN, ESPN Africa, Hayden is the main commentary. And yeah, tell us a little bit more about that before we close and with some closing statement, brother, please. No, thank you very much, obviously, for, for, the, for the platform again. Yeah, so the ESPN commentary started this year. Uh, fantastic step in my career, personally. I had done a lot of entry gigs leading up to this one, but you know, when ESPN comes calling, there is no saying no. You know, ESPN's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, broadcasting sports platform in the world. And uh, when they opened up their African division, it was I, I mean, I took that opportunity with both both hands, you know, to to be on there calling fights, that's my dream. I love calling fights, I love analyzing fights, and uh, I love just fighting boxing in general. So that for me was a big plus i've jumped on board also with Kotsu ramopo as well as montata there's going to be a lot of developments happening obviously i can't speak about that because things are coming in africa boxing is coming it's uh, in, a, in a big way and i'm excited to see basically what is to come and what is going to unfold and um if you want me to close the show david i'll be more than happy to do so because i'm always the one handing it over to the other people who would you like to like thank you shout outs whatever it is um so i'm assuming that's the next step of this uh this uh, program yes. and uh, I'll take it because you've given me the go ahead. I can see. Um, yeah, man. I'd firstly like to thank every show, uh, more importantly, listening and hearing my side and hearing who I am and what I'm, what I'm bringing to boxing within South Africa and now Africa as well. Uh, I'd like to thank you, David Rajuli for having me on the show. I know I've had you on my show plenty of times. So that's a, that's a plus that we got to swap roles for a day. And uh, to everyone out there that wants to gain access or have a look at my show, what I'm doing, it's SA Boxing Talk, as David has said earlier in the show, on YouTube, but obviously all the other social media platforms as well. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, follow them all if you can, if you want to keep up to date with all things happening in, in Africa and boxing. And um, see the unidentified talents before they become on the world stage. Thank you very much, brother. And uh, going forward, I will have a lot of more guys from ESPN Africa coming on the show. I will be interviewing some fighters, some post fighters, maybe get some Dange on here as well, some champions, and uh, yeah, speak to the guys and see what's happening. And once again, Hayden, thank you very much, brother. Maybe you will see me up My there pleasure. in South Africa coming to do something. Not, so you're saying what you, wanna do, what you want to do is you want to get onto ESPN Africa is what you're trying to tell me. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I want to do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very we'll nice. See, we'll see. 
I'm not finished yet with the boxing, that's for sure. The guys will definitely be seeing me in the ring uh, by the end of this year. But uh, yeah, man, my closing statement is thank you very much for your time, brother. And uh, wish you all the best with your YouTube channel. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and thank you for, for being on our show. And yeah, good luck on the future. Good luck with ESPN. And uh, thank you very much, Aid. Thank you very much Thank for having me. It's absolutely a pleasure. And uh, uh, stay with us. We will be uh, here next week for another episode of Ringside Talk with your host, David Rajuli. Thank you. Have a great night, guys. Thank you, Hayden. <laughs>